Lord, this is the offering that we bring. This is the offering that we give. The surrender of ourself. The surrender of our expectations. What we want, what we desire. We offer them to you, Lord. We give them to you. I'd like to sing that last part again. But it's not God, Emmanuel, God with us. It's God, Emmanuel, God in us. Thank you, Lord. Things are happening and things are changing. They're not going to be the same. They're not going to be the way they were before. That needs to be our cry. God, I offer myself. You are Emmanuel, God in us. Thank you, Lord, for such a precious gift as your son. Such a wonderful and awesome gift. Thank you, Lord. Help us to know Him better. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? This week has been amazing. This time has been amazing. Where to start, Lord? Okay. As I kept praying about what I was going to talk about today, I keep seeing myself preaching over here. Last year, we were preaching over on this side. And, I, and I, it was so disconcerting for me because I knew this was the format. And that's why I asked you what I did. But that, that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I asked Pastor John, well, why did we do it last year? And he was giving me all the reasons. That wasn't why. Here's why. It's time to make a change. This church has to make a change. And it's going to be different. It's going to be odd. It's going to feel weird, but right. It's, it's just... It was an, it's a 90 degree turn. It's, it's not how you've done it. It's not the way things have been done. And you need to make the change. We all need to make changes for God. But this church needs to make the change. I have to be willing to do it. Throughout the week, I kept seeing this picture. I have to back up and I have to give some context a little bit. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, John, Pastor John Neitzel, myself, Reverend Vern Norton, and Pastor Tom Backey get together and we pray. We pray for the churches. We've been praying for the, the organization that you guys haven't known about. 
And, and we've been following God in, in the vision of planting churches in the River Valley. And one of those times, God gave me a vision. He gave me a picture. Uh, and while I was praying for Pastor John, and I saw this building. And this building was being built, but it was shrouded. It was hidden. It couldn't be seen. And several times this week I've seen it. It's no longer shrouded. It's no longer hidden. It's ready. It's open. It's ready for the world to see. And the Lord talking to me this morning about it, and I'm like, well, I knew, I knew you talked last night, but I wasn't here, and I didn't know that you hadn't shared that's why I had to talk first. <laughs> so now Pastor John's going to go up and share about what this building is. Good morning. I'm actually not going to talk very long. Just have a couple of things I need to share. And uh, it's very interesting. He didn't, Pastor Jonas says, he's actually need, I told him, I said, I need to share something this morning. I told him what it was and. And he said, well, actually, I need to share first. I was like, well, fine, then go ahead. Um, this whole week we've been talking about humility. And uh, it's good to be humble. Because when you're humble, you do, you do things for the right reasons. Not because it benefits you, not because you get uh, the, the glory, the accolades, because you get the pat on the back, because you get your name on the marquee. But it's because God's name is elevated. His kingdom is elevated. His, his life. And it's interesting. It's, praise God. God knows the order of things. He knows how things should flow. And Pastor Jonah heard exactly right uh, that things are changing. Things are, are, are changing, have been changing. Uh, I hadn't told him, but on uh, December 15th, December 15th was a Saturday morning. Um, I had when he shared this just now that things are changing uh, I was reminded of this and had to go back in my calendar and make sure I wrote it down I woke up and the first thing the Holy Spirit said to me that morning was from this day forward everything's changing everything has changed and I was waiting to walk down and and uh same wife, praise God. I was a little worried about that one. <laughs> I'm glad. 30 years, 32 years, 31 and a half. Glory to God. Same, same kids. <laughs> Sorry, sweetheart. Same car, I'd hope for different, you know. No, but you know what I mean? You start looking around. Didn't seem like anything had changed, but in the spirit, I could tell everything had changed. And I've seen evidence of it ever since. He uh, references a building. I've never said this publicly. I've never talked about this publicly. I've talked to individuals. Uh, I've only told a couple of individuals the whole story. But I'm actually going to share. Just I didn't wasn't planning on sharing this this morning, but that's that is interesting. He's he's and he told me back then that he was praying about a building, and he t you know shared a couple different times, and I finally told him what had happened. When I first came here, or when I first became the senior pastor in 2002, I'd been here for two years. Um, a uh, a person walked up to me. We were standing out in the foyer, 
And a person walked up to me, and uh, I can tell you who it was. It was Ricky Rank. Walked up to me, and she goes, I had a dream last night. And in this dream, I came to River Valley Christian Church. She goes, I know it was River Valley. I just knew it. In the dream, I was walking up to River Valley Christian Church. Walked in the front doors, and it was River Valley Christian Church, except it wasn't. It was River Valley, but it wasn't this. It wasn't what we see here and she goes i don't it doesn't make any sense she says but what it was was amazing it was huge it was huge i mean the building was gargantuan and the the building had uh like uh looked like a mall she said it she described it, it looks like a mall and there were shops and there were there were restaurants and there were stores and there were this there's just this hallway of shops and stores and she goes and the whole thing she knew was but it was huge and she said then she woke up and she's like i don't understand the dream well i didn't understand the dream either that was the first time i had heard it since that day uh 18 well 17 years ago two is that was 2002 17 years i have had a over a dozen people and I never told anybody. I didn't. I never shared it with Deb. I didn't share it with anybody until later. I have had over a dozen people walk up to me and tell me they had the exact same dream. They would describe the dream exactly. They would start out the same way. I, it was really weird, Pastor John. I had a dream last night. And in this dream, I came to River Valley Christian Church. I walked in the front doors, but it wasn't River Valley. It wasn't this. It wasn't what we see. It was bigger. Some people described it as, a, as an office complex. Some people described it as a huge school. Other people described it, but it was always huge. Big, 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 big. And I just, you know how the verse said that Mary just pondered those things in her heart? Well, I just kept tucking them away. I had one person walk in my office one day. And I can't tell you the whole story because everyone, everyone had, a, had, had a part to it. Everyone, everyone would share the exact same start and then it would have a, a slight difference at the end and i remember almost all of them word for word and this one came in and they said i saw uh uh i saw see i'm trying to remember i try well not not trying to remember i remember i'm trying i can only say as much as i can say because some of it hasn't needs to play itself out i i'm not going to speak it out but they said they walked in and there were offices and one of the office was the office of the new church plants and they walked in and the person who was sitting behind the desk was so and so now you i just share that part just because of the the new church plant part that was well before i mean we had started st croix falls and i believe no we had not yet the grandy was not didn't exist at that time but we had started you know, and I didn't know if that was just a, an anomaly, uh, uh, you know, a fluke. You know, I didn't know what that was about. You know. But it was the office of new church plants. And who was sitting behind the desk is absolutely vital and, and, and phenomenal. And I can't tell you who it was, but I know who it was. But the person who said it was there to start a new church. And if I could tell you that name, someday I will. I will tell you the, the, the testimony of who that person was. It will blow you away. Absolutely amazing. So year after year, this has been going on. 
day, time after time. The latest one, somebody walked up and said, I had a dream last night. Last, least person, the th- per, if, you, if I were to tell you the name, I won't. Uh, and, and they're not here right now, so they're not going to go, it was me. But if, if the last person you would think of walked up to me and said, I walked, I, Pastor John, I had a dream last night. And in this dream, I walked into the church. But it wasn't the church. See, it was that same phrase over and over again. And it was huge. It was big. And it had a big uh, rotunda area. And on the rotunda were shelves and shelves and shelves and, and, and closets and closets and closets and shelves. And people would walk in and open up a closet and it was everything they needed. All the provision, all the resources, all the, the books, the, the, the material, the money. Every, the, the, the whole building was full of resources. What does that mean? I said, oh, no, you have to ask God. I know what it means. God's been just giving me. And then one last one was Pastor Dan and Claudia and I were praying a number of years ago. I don't remember uh, when it was exactly. I'm trying to remember even where it was. It, was it, it, wasn't, it wasn't in my office. I don't remember where it was. But the three of us were praying. And... Uh, um, just praying, praying in the spirit, praying in our understanding. And all of a sudden, Pastor Claudia, and if you've prayed with Pastor Claudia, it's wonderful. All of a sudden you go, woo, woo, oh, woo. Pastor John, Pastor John, I just saw something. She goes, I saw River Valley Christian Church. And she says, and you were standing above it. You were, you were like way bigger than the building. You were way bigger. And you picked your foot up and you stepped on the church and crushed it. And Pastor Danny's... <laughs> Classic Pastor Dan goes, he did what? <laughs> ah, I even laughed back then. That was just and she goes, You crushed it, but when you took your foot off it, it began to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. I knew at that moment when she said that, that what that means is everything's going to change. It doesn't mean that this isn't or this wasn't important. No, it was the beginning. It was the, it was the vehicle that got us to today. It got us to here. But God keeps expanding the vision, keeps expanding the plan and purpose that he has for this building, but it has nothing to do with the building. It, with this building. The Bible says that Paul wrote that he is building a building of living stones. And those living stones, that building is so much bigger than this. And within it is all the resources, all the authority, all the, 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 the anointing, all the gifts and the talents. And that, that, org, that, that building of living stones is going to last beyond when this one burns. In the, in the end, not soon. Everything's going to change. Well, but I don't want it to change. Yeah, well, sorry. But not really. Because it's his deal. It's his plan. So over the last two years, uh, Pastor Jonah shared that we've been praying for a vision. And we've sh- I've shared it. You, this isn't anything new, but we've, we've prayed about uh, God's plan and purpose for the valley and and the Holy Spirit spoke to me in, in Iowa on the way actually driving back from Iowa with Pastor Tom from the first uh, DCPI uh, Dynamic Church Planting International 
And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that you're going to plant 24. I, he's, he, didn't, he said, I want you to plant 24 churches over the next 10 years. And that just crazy. And you've heard me say how crazy I thought it was and still think it is. <laughs> here, but here we are. And we're going to do it. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're, it's happening. And in the process, as we've prayed through it, one of the things I realized and that we've realized is that you can plant churches. You can have places of worship. You can have even leaders over it. But that those leaders cannot be islands unto themselves. None of us are an island unto ourselves. None of us can go, you know what? I'm a lone ranger. I don't need you. You know, Vern preached that on the first night. I, you know, nobody can say I'm, I'm the hand. I don't, I have no need of the wrist even or the elbow or the eye or the foot or we need each other. Why? Because when we, when we actually operate like the body, we can actually go places. We can do things. We can understand things. We can see. We can be effective in what we're doing. And uh, on the first either morning or night, I don't remember when I read it, about uh, John and Peter after they were arrested for healing the man in the temple. And the Pharisees said, said uh, you know, quit, quit preaching in his name and, you know, stop doing this. Who, who gives you the authority to do this? So on and so forth. They went back to their own company. It says in, in the King James, it says they went back to their own company. We need a company to, be, to belong to. We need to be a part of something. Yes, we're a part of the body of Christ. And yes, there have been times where people have done stuff all by themselves. When Pastor Dan and Claudia came up 30 years ago and started the church in over 30 years ago, is it? I don't know, math. 1980, so is that more than 30 years? Okay. 39? Almost 40 years ago. Wow. You're getting old. Forty, almost 40 years ago, when they came, you, you came by yourself. I mean, there were people who were praying for you. There were people who were standing with you. But you, you, it pioneers, the pioneers, when they went across the, the prairie, many times did it by themselves. But they found out they needed somebody. They needed each other quickly. They needed, they needed a community. And so the Lord had actually has been speaking to me for years about an organization. And uh, we've called it RVFM for years, but it's always, it's always been more of a loose fellowship, you know, a, a group of people who are, have the same heart, same vision, same direction, same stream. And uh, we've called it RV, I've called it RVFM, we've called it RVFM, River Valley Fellowship of Ministries ministers and ministries i actually want to call it rvfm squared but people don't think that's funny so it's just our it's just river valley fellowship of ministries and uh we've kind of loosely called it that for for a long time but the lord uh in the middle of last year said it's time to make it official and uh through a series a long drawn out series of events much too uh deep too much too much to share we have filed the papers, and as of uh, the day after Christmas, RVFM is an official organization with all the rights and responsibilities therein. Amen? Glory to God. So that means 
You know, this whole last week, we've been uh, doing the week devoted to God. And uh, the week devoted to God is really just, it is the week devoted to God. And within it, you'll also see if you have the, the, the schedule, if you found a schedule, you know, it's the week devoted to God, which is, that's, that's our first and foremost uh, plan and our, our, our goal. But then it also is RVFM, a, a gathering of the ministers, the ministries, the, the churches, the, the people who, who have said, you know, we need, we, we're, we're in this together. And could I have everyone who is here that is licensed and or ordained through River Valley Christian Church, RVFM, could you please stand? Everyone who is licensed and ordained through RVFM, RVCC, RVFM. Yeah, amen. Give them a round, big, big round of applause. And this... This isn't actually all of them. There are some others. There's more. And uh, the exciting part is this afternoon, because we are an official uh, recognized, we are an you know, official uh, uh, organization with the license with the government. Praise God for the government. If anybody's listening, praise God for the government. You know, God, God bless the government. But today will be the actual first uh, ordination under the new organization RVFM. Peter Molnar, our youth minister, will be ordained this afternoon, um, and it'll be the first official act of RVFM. I'm really excited about that. It's going to be awesome. But I just wanted to give that, let you know that you know we're there. We're 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 this this building is growing. This plan and purpose of God is growing. And once again, it's not a physical building even I mean we've been spending i've been spending a ton of time working on a physical building over here and many many of you have been helping with that but it isn't about a physical building it's about the spiritual building the the living stones that are are placed by god and those living stones were lit are are being literally placed mortared together by him to build something that he has designed from the beginning of time it's very important. I know some of it just sounds like legal and legal mumbo jumbo, and sometimes it feels like it. But the reality is, you do things indecently and in order, and then God can can make it powerful. It's just a, it's a vessel for Him to pour His glory through. Amen, amen. Well, we're going to continue through the rest of the day here. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Jonah, and thank you very much for your time. And. Uh, Welcome, Pastor Jonah Fetzer. Thank you. It's awesome what God's doing. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the love that you have. Thank you for the plans and purposes that you have. Father, thank you for the work that you've given into our hands. Lord, we want to honor you and glorify you. We want to we do it with all of our heart. We want to see it accomplished. We want to see it done. We want to see your name glorified. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here, everyone that's part of the organization. And I speak blessing over them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
Amen. There are some things that are on my heart. Um, we'll see where it goes. But, you know, we have this organization, RVFM. It's a fellowship of churches and ministries. Its, its purpose is to connect. Its purpose is to encourage and equip and, and to uh, accomplish God's will in this earth. And we all have our part to play. And I think one of the things that we have to ask ourselves when we start looking at organizations, what is their purpose? Why are they here? What do they do? What is the point of a church? What is the point of the church? Why, why do we gather together? Now, we are all part of the church. We're all part, we're all part of the family of God. I'm not going to say church. We're part of the family of God. You know, families can be big. They can be huge. Some family gather, gatherings can be 200-some people. You get all the cousins and aunts and uncles. and You know what? They have to have a place to meet when they get together. They don't meet in a house. They may be meet in the backyard, but nobody's house is going to be big enough for... Well, I guess I can't say that. There aren't very many people whose houses are that big. Most of us don't live in a house that big. We're the family of God and we gather together to encourage and, and bless one another. We have, have places to go. That's what the church is. It's a place to go. It's a group of people of, of like vision, like purpose, headed in the same direction. There are uh, churches that... You're going to have to give me some grace. I, I can't cover everything. So try to listen to what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying, not what I'm implying. What am I saying? There are churches out there that their sole focus is to the lost. And their then become designed in a way that its sole purpose is to save the lost. And so you have to ask yourself, is that what God designed the church for? I don't think so. <clears throat> the point of the church, the local church, the gathering together, it's the body of believers there to encourage and build up, train and train the saved in the way of the kingdom. We gather together because we're of like mind. We're of like purpose and we're of like family. We've all come to a point in a knowledge and an understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And He has every right that that entitles Him. And if He is, as we believe, the Son of the living God, and He is God's chosen King, then He has the right to dictate how His kingdom runs. This is the point of the local church, to train people in the ways of the kingdom. Not to encourage others to be better communicators and to be able to deal with difficult people at work. 
Those are good things, but that's not the point of the church. When we gather together, it's believers gathering together. Well, we don't want to have the unsaved be uncomfortable. They should be. As Pastor John Moe said, we are the fragrance of life to those that are living and the fragrance of death to those that are dying. And when they come in, they should smell death. They should smell their own stink because of the amount of life around them. There should be a marked difference between when we gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and when we're out there in the world The world is the world. It's not going to change. They're not going to want to know God. But there are those out there that do. It says that God added to the church daily those being saved. Being saved. Being saved. An ongoing process Moment by moment, instant by instant, being saved. Did you know there's people out there that God is continually working on, continually moving on, whose hearts are continually compelled towards life? They're being saved from moment to moment to moment. And there are those moments when we get the privilege and the honor of drawing them into and bringing them into the new birth, into the kingdom of His dear Son. And their lives change. And we bring them into the kingdom. But you know what? They're a baby and they don't know anything. They need to be brought into the gathering together of the saints. The family of God. You need a family to train up children. You're the family. And so then they begin to learn the ways of the kingdom. They need to learn the things that God wants them to learn. We don't need to teach the things of the world. We need to teach the things of the kingdom. This week, uh, yesterday, Pastor John said, this has been a master course in humility. The prayer times, it was a master's course in humility. And, and, And an advanced course in following the flow of the Holy Spirit. that's the kingdom. How is the world going to teach you to follow the Holy Spirit? Exactly the opposite. It'll teach you how to follow the flesh. Ooh, that new car looks really nice. I always use the analogy of a pie. Ooh, I want that pie. That's a yummy pie. I got to have that pie. Not only do I have to have a slice of that pie, I have to have the whole pie. And maybe three or four to go with them. It's the desire of the world. Let's consume, let's consume, let's consume. What's the way of the kingdom? Give, give, give. Freely you've received, freely. You know, you've re- you freely received the Son, the living Son of God. The light of the world, the hope of glory. You've received Him. We've all received Him. Guess what we get to do? Give. Sometimes you don't want to. Sometimes you're afraid. 
You need to be encouraged. You need to be in the family so we can encourage you. You know what? You've got a gift to give. You've got something that the world needs. Well, I don't know how. Well, let's help you. Let, let's, let's do this together. Let's grow. Let's mature. We are a family. We are not of this world. We are immigrants in this world. We're here, but we don't belong of it. <clears throat> if there is a kingdom, I don't know why I always say it like that. There is a kingdom. There is a kingdom. There is a king. There's a king, then there's, he's in, Anybody want to try this one? He's in what? He's in charge. He's in charge. Who's in charge? What's his name? Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are in charge. And that means that he gets to make the decision. He gets to choose. Who's in authority? Well, I don't know why. Why would God choose Pastor Dan Dennison? I mean, come on. You've met him. Seriously? A bricklayer. A brickhead. Why? Because the king delighted in it. He saw in him what he needed for what he needed to do. Why you? Why is God asking you to do what you're doing? Because he sees in you what he needs to get the job done. Why me? Yeah, I often wonder that myself. But God delights in whom he calls. I want to I want to talk about something in Ephesians 4 verse 7 Ephesians 4 verse 7 But to each one of us is a grace given according to the measure of Christ's gift therefore he said when he ascended on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men Now this he ascended what does it mean but he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth he who descended also is the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. How long do I have, Pastor John? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> we know this is the fivefold ministry. We know this is these are the gifts that God Listen, listen to me. The fivefold ministry is a gift given to you. It just said it right there. That he ascended on high and he gave gifts unto men. Amen. My gift is not to elevate me. My gift 
is to elevate you, to educate you, to train you. The question... ah, Okay, I need to figure out how to get where I need to go, Lord. (laughs) They're there to equip you. Each of it has their own sphere of influence to draw you and make you into a mature Christian. If we listen to one gift and one gift alone, then we become lopsided. And I had been teaching and preaching on this uh, past maybe six months. And one of the things that's come out in that is these gifts are specialists. They're specialists in their area to equip you to do it. The apostle is gifted to start, to establish, to be an ambassador, to go into difficult areas. And they need to be able to teach you to start things. You know, if you're the first Christian in your family, you've got to know how to be an ambassador to your family and to begin to spread the gospel in that difficult area. You need the apostolic gift to show you and teach you how to endure in difficult times, how to stand strong, how to press into the darkness and to be victorious. You need the prophet, the seer of God, the one who, who hears and sees what God's doing and saying to learn the character and the, and the things of God so that you can hear. We all need to hear from God. We all need that gift to be able to hear better what God is saying. We need the evangelists. What do evangelists love to do? Save! I love listening to Vern when he starts praying about the lost. Oh, the babies, the babies, the babies. To get that heart, to get that passion, to learn from a specialist how to save the lost, how to save those that you love. The pastor, the pastor. What's the difference between a pastor and a teacher? Anybody ever thought about that? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on a little bunny trail. I'm going to try to keep it short. This, this verse, in studying this out, it says that there's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Okay? Now, there's an interesting thing that happens when you read it in the Greek. There's the apostle, and it says the word that connects them is D, and. So it goes apostle, D, prophet, D, evangelist, D, pastor, Chi, teacher. This is where we get some confusion as to whether there's a fivefold ministry or a fourfold ministry. I believe God has given me a revelation on this. This word Chi is an interconnective. And, and it's the same word that Jesus used when he talks about God. And he says, my God and Father. When we talk about a pastor, I believe that what this text is saying to us is that he's going, there's, an, there's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's pastors who are also teachers. 
So the pastor is a teacher, but he's a special type of teacher. And it's brought out uniquely in this, because he could have just easily said teacher and left it at that, but he didn't. He signified, he separated those out from teachers. So there's teachers, and then there's pastors who are a special type of teacher. I love this. <clears throat> so I was meditating on what's the difference between teachers and pastors. Teachers teach. Pastors coach. Coaches teach. But it's different. They're intimately involved in what's going on. They're in the people's lives. They're, they're like, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. We can go. We can do this. Here, let me help you. Develop your gift further. It's not just, hey, let me come in, tell you what it says, and then leave. The coach is the one that's there day after day after day after day. Amen. There's the bunny trail. <clears throat> These are gifts given to you to train you up in the work of the ministry. God has given you a gift. How are you treating it? This is really what God's laid on my heart. How are you treating the gift that God has brought to you? And he himself gave some. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor and teacher. He himself gave some. He himself, God chose, Jesus himself chose those who work in the ministry. You don't choose to do it on your own. If, if you think, you know what, I want to do that. You know what, I'd really like to be an apostle. Oh, bless your little heart. You don't do this unless God's called you to do that. Amen. This is not an easy thing to do. And if you try to do this without the Holy Spirit, one of two things can happen. The devil will destroy you, or the devil will use you. Amen. And both of those are not good for the kingdom. If you don't know that you know that you know that you know that God has called you, don't bother. I like what pa uh, Kenneth Hagin said. He said once, he said, if I had had a shadow of a doubt, I would have taken the shadow. <laughs> You're talking about Kenneth Hagin, the apostle of faith, the man who ministered for decades, bringing the life and the truth of the gospel, a man who stood and talked with Jesus, who man who had been in the throne room of heaven, and he said, if I had had a shadow of a doubt, I would, have, I would have taken the shadow. If you have a shadow of a doubt, don't do it. Because there's something to it that drives you. Thank God for Pastor John or I would have quit. <laughs> there, there are times when everything weighs upon you as a minister. Everything is against you. There... Hmm. I'm letting you in on some secrets. 
And they're not really secrets, just we don't talk about them. When you enter into the ministry, you're on the front lines and there is a pressure. The minute, the minute that it happened, there is a weight that drops on you. I don't know how to explain it any other way. And, and you, have to, you have to learn to endure it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. <clears throat> you, don't le- you have to learn to overcome it. Amen. Enduring it's not the right word. That's, that's me and my limitation in trying to express things. We have to learn to overcome. We need to stand in what God has called us to. So don't do it unless you know God's called you. If God's called you, pursue it with all of your heart. For those of you that are part of the body, you are not lesser. Amen. You are not lesser. You are more. We are the last. Right. We are the last. I think that when we stand before God and God begins to take each one of us and talk to us, I think all the ministers are going to be in the back of the line. Yes. And we're going to be waiting for all of you to go first. This is our call. This is our burden to see you. You be glorified in Jesus Christ. For you to get honor. For you to get glory. I mean, we struggle. We're human, just like everyone else. We need the fivefold ministry just as much as you do. We just happen to be in it. God calls, God equips, God places and positions. There's the fivefold ministry. And I'm hoping that I can clear up some confusion for some people. There's the fivefold ministry. Then there are offices of administration, offices of authority. Those that God has acknowledged and placed in authority. We know them as the overseer, the elders, and the deacons. These are not fivefold ministry gifts. If I'm wrong, you can chew me out later. <laughs> this is, I've been studying, okay. Do you remember, brother of mine? When we started praying, you prayed a prayer. And you prayed this prayer. God, give the understanding on how the churches are supposed to function. Do you remember that prayer? I do. Because every time God does this, that comes back to me. I hear it. I hear that prayer. That was your prayer. God honored that prayer. And, and God keeps giving me more revelation about the body of Christ, more revelation how it fits together. And I believe this is part of it. We're confusing. We're confusing the gift and authority. Authority is only given over what God has given you. If God's given you a word to speak, you have authority over speaking that word. Once it's given, it's done. If God's called you an overseer, that's a different type of authority. You can be, you can be an apostle who's an overseer. You can be a teacher that's an overseer. You can be a prophet that's an overseer. You can be an evangelist that's an overseer. You can be a teacher. Did I miss one? Pastor. That's what we call them, pastor. Pastor John. Biblically, it's overseer John. I mean, 
we don't really need to change things for the sake of making things confusion, but we need to understand. He's the overseer of the body. He's uh, the bishop. Bishop Rick. When the kingdom, in, in the scripture, it says anyone who desires the office of the bishop desires a good thing. That word, the office of the bishop, is the same word Jesus used when he said to Jerusalem, if you had known the day of visitation, the day of visitation. The overseer is responsible for the day of visitation to prepare the people, to make sure that the house is in order for when the king comes. Whether he be a pastor, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, whatever his gifting may happen to be, that, that's irrelevant. God has invested him with authority to lead. And the, and the elders come out of Moses. He was the overseer of the nation of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And he was overseeing and ministering to all of their problems. His father-in-law said, what in the world are you doing? Are you mad? You're going to kill yourself doing this. And so they prayed. And God had them pick elders from among the people and invested them with the same authority. That's where elders, that's the idea of the elders. The elders are those that help the overseer accomplish administrating to the whole body those that are, the things that are needed. The deacons, the deacons are those that are running and going and doing Getting things done. You know, hey, the tables need to be picked up. Things need to be done. And you say, okay, I need you to do this. That's a deacon. They're, they're given authority to accomplish a task and for those in the body to listen to the leading of the one that's been told to go do it. These gifts are given to you. Are you honoring them? Are you respecting those gifts? Are you treating them with respect? I had this picture of a, a pickup truck. As a gift, you're giving us new, brand new pickup truck. It's nice and shiny. It's, it's got this nice red paint. and It's just, it's, it's amazing, this truck. It's a gift given to you. Oh, uh-huh. Somebody walks up, oh, that's a nice gift, takes their key. Down the side. I don't believe you're called. I don't believe you're anointed. Are you respecting the gift? Well, yeah, that's a nice truck. I don't think you're doing the right thing. There goes the tire. This is a sledgehammer, just so you know. Well, I don't think you're seeing what God wants. What's that truck going to be like? 
Is it going to be useful? Why? Why are ministers beat up? Because the people don't respect it. There was something that was said this week and it just, it clicked in me. Actually, I think it might have been something you said, Pastor John. When we see ministers fail in church, we immediately assume that they have moral failure, but we never stop to consider what's the spiritual atmosphere of the church that they're head over. And it wasn't because the church... wasn't being obedient to God and that they were allowing demonic forces to run rampant in their church and the pastor had no protection. The minister, we always blame it on the minister, but sometimes the minister, sometimes God makes us a spectacle. Things happen to us and, and, and we end up doing things and we're like, God, why? Because the people need to see. Well, I don't know if God would do that. Ever heard of... <laughs> Ever heard of the Old Testament prophets? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He used people in the Old Testament like that. He told the prophet to marry a whore. What? Why would he do that? Isn't that unjust? Isn't that against the law? Wouldn't he be violating the Jewish law to do that? God told him to do it. He told the prophet to lay naked in the streets. Told him to cook his food over crap. Actually over his own. And he said, okay, God, I have my limits. I don't think I can do that. But God, God was gracious enough to say, fine. He still, had to, he still had to cook it over. You know what? He just didn't have to use his own. Thank God for his mercy. Sometimes ministers are an example to us. Sometimes they're made a spectacle for you. We are made a spectacle for you. Thank you, Jesus. Great is our reward. <laughs> Praise you, Lord Jesus. Otherwise, what's the point? Why go through this? Well, in some cases, we don't have a choice. John Logan talked about Jabez. His name meant pain. And his heartfelt desire was to not be pain. You know, when your name is Jonah, you're constantly reminded of what it takes, what happens when you're disobedient to God. And I've probably heard just about every fish, fish joke there is. So, you know, you're constantly reminded, and I have a choice. You know, we have a choice when we hear things like that. Are we going to identify with them? Or are we going to learn from them? When we see what happens to ministers, when we see what happens to the gift that God has brought in us, do, does our heart break 
for that gift that God had given? Are we concerned for the authority that God has set within the body? That we make sure that we're doing what God's asking of us to do through Him, them. How can you say that you trust God when you don't trust those that God sent to you? How can you say that you're obedient to God when you aren't obedient to those who are leading you? How can you say that you love God when you don't love those that serve Him? We live in a culture, we live in a day and age where there is no such thing as honor. Respect. Yeah, okay, whatever, dude. My way or the highway, I'm going to do what I want. I don't have to listen to you. We don't live in the world. We live in the kingdom. We live in the kingdom, and the kingdom tells us that we need to respect those that God has placed in authority, even if they're wrong. Well, if they're wrong, I shouldn't listen. The question is about, do you honor God? God placed that person in authority. God sees something in them. Well, they're missing it. Yeah, maybe you need to pray for them. Maybe you need to, to bow your heart and humble yourself and lift the, the man and woman of God up so that they can have the strength to stand in the face of their enemy, the devil, who's trying to kill them. I can guarantee you, if the devil wants to, he's going to try to kill you. Right, Vern? Right, John? Pastor Dan, he wants you gone. He doesn't want you here ministering and continuing to establish things for God. But it will. You don't have, he doesn't have the right to take you out until you're ready to go. Amen. That's, That's right. right. He's tried. And we need to pray for him. Amen. And we need to pray for him. And him. And him. And them. Anyone who's called to the ministry needs our prayers. Amen. And the body of Christ needs our prayers. It is the power of God. We need to honor and respect. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Let me give you an example of what respect looks like. King David is anointed and called of God to be king over Israel. The prophet has said so. He was anointed. And, and the, the anointing of God comes upon him. He does great things, signs and wonders. The people are all after him. And King Saul tries to kill him. And King David keeps going to him and saying, why are you, why are you treating me like, why are you doing this? Have I done anything wrong? Have, has there not anyone more faithful in all of your house than me? Do 
he got so struck in his heart for just cutting the edge of King Saul's cloak that he had to go and repent right away, even though it might mean his death. So that I should raise my hand against God's anointed. This isn't to glorify people. This isn't to glorify ministers and ministries. This is to glorify Jesus Christ. The gift that is in us is not us, it's Jesus. And any minister who's halfway intelligent understands that. There are some that have been deceived, and if they're deceived, they need prayer. Because they've been called. There's a gift in them that we need. And we need to not let the devil have them. That might take effort on our part to deal with some of the junkiness that they've picked up. But are we willing to do it? There's those that have left from here. There's those that have gone out, that have been injured, that are, that are hurting. They've been deceived. And they need to come back. They need to be restored. But are you willing to endure what's necessary to see them restored. I didn't write that down, but I remember it. So we're going to go there. We pray and we ask God, God, save our family. God, help so-and-so, minister to so-and-so. God, anoint the leaders. God, do this. God, do that. Here's the question I have for you. Are you willing to do what it takes to see it accomplished? If you're asking for God to save your family, are you willing to endure with their continual rebellion and resistance to God, them continually maligning your character, spitting in your face, saying all kinds of violent things against you? Are you willing to endure it to see their salvation? And here's the second question. Are you willing to change to see it happen? Are you willing to lay aside what you believe you are to become what God has called you? To walk in greater love and humility. To walk in greater compassion and selflessness. We ask God for a lot of things, but we don't see them because we're not willing to make the changes that are necessary. God, save my husband. Save my wife. Then love them. Respect them. But God, you don't know how they are. I mean, really, that is the stupidest thing you could say to God. Like, the stupidest. God, you don't know. Lord, have mercy. You know what? It's okay for children to be dumb. To be ignorant. It's not okay to be rebellious. 
we need to learn to be more obedient to the Spirit of God. Now my turn to be humble. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I tell you this, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, just as the children of Israel were given the land of Canaan as their promised land, so I give unto you the river valley. It is yours. Now you must go and take it. All the children are called There are others that will not cross over this river. They will not enter into the promised land. But they have an obligation to fight by your side to destroy the works of the enemy. God has called us. (laughs) We've been living off of old stale manna. This is new bread. Just as the children of Israel promised the Canaan as the promised land, so we've been given the river valley. That's right. Amen. Amen. They didn't, just, they didn't just walk in and say, okay, I'm home. They had to fight. They had to fight. But they had the backing of God. And with the backing of God, they were able to conquer every square inch of that land. When they turned from God, they couldn't conquer their backyard. We have to fight, but we can stand in surety knowing that the God of all creation has got our back. He said that we can have the valley. He said it's ours. (laughs) You tell a bunch of, of military individuals, that land is yours, go take it. What are they going to do? Oh, hey, please, could you just please, you know, go away? Mr. Enemy, could you please just stand aside? (laughs) They hupomino. They go through. They violently take it. They enter in. They despise it. They, huh. One of the things that you learn when you're in the military, you learn to despise your enemy. They're nothing. They're nothing. They've got nothing on us. We're better. We're stronger. We're smarter. We're cleverer. We're more determined. We can take them. We can take them. We can take them. We can take them. We can take this land. 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 Amen. Why? Exactly. Because God said so. Well, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know if I should witness to that person. I, I don't know if I should go up and pray for that person. Do it. God said it's ours. God said it's ours. Is his hand short that he cannot heal? Can he not accomplish what he said? If he said he wants to take this land. Have confidence in knowing He does. Have confidence in your God. Why didn't the children of Israel enter into the promised land when they came out of Egypt? 
They didn't believe. I'm telling you, this is what God is saying. You can ignore me. He's like, oh, I don't think you heard from God. (laughs) I'm telling you, I did. I heard from God. Over there, this week, he said this to me. This is your land. Take it. This is your land. Take it. This is your land. Take it. Quit letting the devil have it. Not only will you have the backing of God, but our other brothers and sisters are required to fight. I don't know how many of you know the reference that I'm referring to, but there were two tribes in Israel that said, you know what? We don't want to go into the promised land. We don't want to go in. This is good enough for us. We're good right here. But God told them, He said, okay, that's fine. You can have that land. But you are required to fight in this battle to take the land. There are those that will not cross over to the promised land. But they are required to fight. They are required to fight. And I'm going to tell you this. I believe that if they won't, they will lose what they have. We are not in this alone. Every brother and sister in the kingdom is in this battle because because of this. I said to take the land. You need to open your mouth and speak. You need to declare my kingdom. You need to stretch out your hand to heal. Go and destroy the works of the enemy. This is about destroying his works, the works of the enemy. And every believer has a responsibility to see it happen. When we see somebody in bondage and the devil wreaking havoc in lives, we have a responsibility to enter in and take him out. If they don't want it, I'm sorry for them. But there are always those that will. There's always those that will. Those are those being saved. Being saved. Being saved. We have brothers and sisters out there. Let me rephrase that. We have potential brothers and sisters out there ready to be born. God is yearning to see them saved. And we need to speak. We need to raise our hand and heal and destroy the works of the enemy in their life, that they might know that God truly loves them and cares for them, and that they may be brought into the kingdom to be trained up and edified and strengthened to go out and save more. This is kingdom business. This is kingdom business. We come together and we learn, but learning needs to be for a purpose. Not learning for learning's sake, but learning for the furtherance of the kingdom. Respect those that God has called to give you training to lift you up. If you don't think they're doing their job, pray for them. Either your heart will change or theirs. We need to stop letting the devil have his way in the house of God. Love. 
Love is the way of the kingdom. Love one for another. You know that you've moved from from darkness to light. You know you've moved from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of His dear Son because you love the brethren. If you're in the kingdom, if you're born again, the love of God resides in you. And if you have anger and hurt in your heart, the devil's gotten in there and stole from you and no more. No more. He doesn't have the right to take from you. All you have to do is repent and say, I'm sorry, and you can be free like that. All it takes is that moment of forgiveness, and you're free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you called us. That you're calling us. That you're calling us. Thank you, Father. I was hoping I'd forget about this. More humility. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pastor John, would you please stand? Vern, would you please stand? Pastor Tom, would you please stand? Isaiah 22, verse 20. In that day, and it shall be in that day, when I call on my servant, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, I will clothe him with, the, with your robe and will strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibilities into his hand. He shall be the father of the inhabitants of Jerusalem and of the household of Judah, the keys of the house of David, I will lay upon his shoulders, and he shall and he shall open, and no one shall shut, and he shall shut, and no one shall open, and I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne unto the into the, his father's house. Why you? Why me? That's what God's saying to us. He has taken that authority that others have squandered and others have misused and has been sitting dormant and He's laid it upon our shoulders to lift it, to carry it, to see this thing through, to see it to the end that we may... That we might bring glory to the Father. That we might bring glory to the Father. That's what this is about. God wants to honor us. We've got His back. He says, I trust you. 
I give you my authority. I give you my authority. I give you my authority. <sighs> Whatever you open shall be open. Whatever you shut shall be shut. I trust you. I trust you. Thank you, Father. I'm humbled and I'm honored today by the things that you've given me to say and to do. I give you glory and honor. Your kingdom, your kingdom, your kingdom, your kingdom, Lord, your kingdom, Lord, your kingdom, Lord. May it shine like the sun. Hallelujah. Go ahead and sit down, guys. Hallelujah, Lord. And it is so. 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 <laughs> it is so. Thank you, Father. Let's take a minute and see if God has anything else that He wants to have done. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> I want to pray for anybody who... Feels like the devil has sidelined you. He's gotten in, gotten in and sidelined you from what he, God Himself, has asked you to do. I want to pray for you. <clears throat>